0: It's the ERP Confab. I'm David Essex, industry editor at TechTarget's ERP website. Deploying artificial intelligence is much more than a major technology challenge. It raises important ethical, organizational, and human resource issues, and presents unique training requirements as workers learn to develop and use generative AI chatbots, voice recognition, and other AI applications in ways that augment but don't threaten their jobs. Today's guest, Balakrishna Diar, who goes by Bali, is Executive Vice President and Head of AI and Automation at Infosys, the global IT services and consulting company with more than 320,000 employees. He leads internal applications of AI at Infosys and assists clients with their AI deployments. In the podcast, he shares some best practices, including setting up a responsible AI office and explains why he advocates adopting an AI-first operating model. You've been at Emphasis for 30 years, and in that time, AI has gone through a lot of, I would say, starkly different stages in capability and public perception. How would you characterize the debut of ChatGPT in November 2022 and the subsequent boom, and I think it's fair to say it has been a boom in generative AI, compared to those early years or even to recent years when there have been some real successes with machine learning and predictive AI. In other words, I'm wondering how much of a leap do you think generative AI represents in comparison, especially from a practical business sense?
1: Uh, First of all, David, thanks for having me on your podcast. And as you said, uh, coincidentally, today I completed 30 years in Infosys. So, as you uh, rightly said, uh, the journey of artificial intelligence has been anything but linear. Uh, it has been a winding path, unexpected breakthroughs, movement that redefined what machines could achieve. And it has gone through various different evolutions. The early days was focused on symbolic AI. It was where logic ruled supreme, right? And it was about problem-solving machines that found best outcomes and examples of that is like winning chess matches and that's how uh, that was uh, working then came uh, the whole uh, machine learning revolution and this was fueled with the data Uh, algorithms began to learn from experience recognizing patterns making predictions with a lot of accuracy and 21st century we witnessed the rise of deep learning where you had complex neural networks with multiple layers to be able to analyze and learn, integrate uh, and uh, abstract functions and relationships. And so we started to have things like image and speech recognitions, where you could achieve even human level or even surprising human level performance. Now, all this has happened with the rapid progress that we have seen in computing, better and more powerful CPUs, GPUs, and also our data and the whole evolution that we had in uh, the cloud as well. All right. And with uh, combination of all of this, and that's when generative AI, uh, the boom that we are actually seeing currently, this is a paradigm shift from what we were seeing in machine learning and deep learning because you're not just able to be able to predict or you can actually still uh, do limited point use cases, which were actually mainly in classification or prediction. We can use generative AI to also synthesize uh, responses. And this, I think, is in some ways uh, akin to what we saw as the iPhone moment uh, in the whole digitization world. Uh, Similar to how iPhones and smartphones significantly made the whole digital experience available for the general public, I think the chat GPT has been able to do that in the generative AI technology, and the interest levels have just peaked. And we are seeing uh, uh, this being adopted slowly but surely across multiple uh, enterprises as well. And now today, we have even the multimodal generative AI models, which can use combination of image, speech, text, and this is only becoming more and more powerful as we speak.
0: What are the biggest trends you're seeing now in how Infosys customers are using or planning to use AI, including maybe some of the challenges they're facing? So we are
1: seeing that customers are using a combination of both. It is not to say that generative AI completely replaces machine learning and deep learning. There is capabilities that organizations are looking at being able to leverage from both machine learning, deep learning, and uh, generative AI. And across industries, we are seeing a lot of different types of use cases that are emerging in the manufacturing. Things are around predictive maintenance, quality inspection, AI-assisted design, in retail and logistics, it is uh, demand production, stock and inventory management, supply chain optimization, planogram compliance in the stores. In healthcare, medical imaging and drug discovery. Uh, in the financial services, uh, a lot of the use cases are on fraud detection, financial advisory, portfolio allocation. And in telecom, it is network optimization, field optimization, energy sector, digital twins for predicting the behavior of systems all right so across industries we are seeing uh, uh, use cases that uh, make it significant impact in the way that they are actually doing the business it is not without challenges the challenges are uh, many uh, starting with how would you actually identify uh, the right kind of areas to actually invest in the right use cases that you have to prioritize technology is rapidly uh, evolving how do you actually make sure that what you build doesn't get outdated uh, rapidly and how do you actually be how would you actually build this so that you are able to evolve with uh, and leverage the uh, the greatest and the latest of the technologies that is happening mm-hmm. one of the key challenges uh, has been and continues to be the data right how organizations are able to get their data organized in the way that uh, they can actually use the power of AI. Mm-hmm. Then the whole aspect of being able to use AI responsibly and ethically and making sure that uh, you have no biases and uh, you're, uh, you're doing it within the regulatory framework. And so I think that is a, another uh, big challenge. And um, uh, talent, uh, right? Uh, How do you think about talent uh, in in this world, right? And what are new capabilities that you have to build? What are capabilities that uh, you have to get your existing workforce to be able to learn and adapt, right? I think these are some of the key challenges uh, uh, that uh, we are seeing in the adoption of AI.
0: In the US last October, President Biden signed an executive order calling for standards for AI safety, security, privacy for American citizens and to promote innovation and spur development of what's called responsible AI. I understand that you have been predicting that companies will address these obstacles by prioritizing trust and transparency. That sounds like a really big, complex project just by itself. How do you advise Infosys clients to start to build trust and transparency for the AI that they plan to use?
1: it is uh, important responsibility and uh, key to your successful uh, leveraging of ai and one of the fundamental approach that we actually suggest is that it should be responsible by design and what we mean by that is that it is not something that can be built in and bolted on later it has to be something that you build right from the start it has to be in the design the way that. You identify uh, and manage uh, potential biases, the privacy concerns, the risk uh, through the entire development process. And it has to be woven into every fabric of the AI system from data selection, algorithm design, deployment, monitoring, and it should not be an afterthought. All right. But of course, you need to also uh, continuously monitor. And test to make sure that uh, sometimes ethical considerations are not static. You need to actually be upgrading, uh, right? And testing for uh, the systems and how AI is being used to make sure that this is being used in a ethical manner, in a fair, transparent uh, manner, with the right accountability. And that's how we uh, we would look at responsible AI.
0: You mentioned frequent testing. I'm wondering how important are third party tools? I'm familiar, for example, with algorithmic auditing software and those services that specialize in that. That's one kind. How important are these tools in establishing trust and transparency, and how mature are these tools?
1: I think tooling is extremely important because there is a combination of uh, so many different types of things that you have to monitor depending upon uh, the, the type of models, the data types, uh, mode of deployment, uh, et cetera. But we we think that uh, there is no one single tool that you can actually fo- uh, cover all your bases and make it foolproof. You have to look at multiple design consideration for adopting AI guardrails. It would depend upon uh, what type of models, uh, types that you are using. Is it from machine learning, deep learning? Uh, large language models, generative AI, the type of data types that you're talking about, whether it is structured data, unstructured data, how you are actually planning to deploy, whether it is on the edge or cloud, or, and you have to look at all lifecycle stages from data preparation, model engineering, model training, and the nature of the use case, whether using it for prediction, classification for generation, and then you have to look across tenets of security fairness transparency, safety, etc. So, for example, for some use cases like predicting the price of item, explainability will become extremely important parameter rather than perhaps uh, fairness, right? Uh, But uh, in uh, something like uh, recruitment, uh, you need to be able to explain, you also need to make sure that it is fair. And so it depends upon the use case depends upon the life cycle of how we are actually uh planning to leverage it and so you will need a combination of multiple tools of course so that you don't do this all manually but you need to have a framework to be able to look across all of these combinations and have a process tools and the governance to be able to manage these risks
0: you've been advocating that every company should set up a responsible ai office what would such an office do and why is it important to have one?
1: I'll start with the, the second part of the question and come to the first part. A responsible AI practice is critical to actually build trust among all your stakeholders, customers, partners, regulators, and show that uh, you are as an organization proactive in addressing the ethical concerns. And as AI regulations are continuing to evolve globally, it is important to have independent practice so that uh, can ensure that organization remains compliant uh, to the various legal requirements, monitors the technology shifts, and uh, is uh, uh, constantly adapting and uh, to all of the changes that are happening from a regulatory purpose uh, perspective, from a technology perspective, etc. And you can do that only when you have a dedicated body that is uh, focused on making sure that you're always uh, the concentrated efforts to make sure that is relevant and c- compliant. Now, how would we actually set up a responsible AI office? Um, The way that we have actually gone about doing that is uh, we have a combination of capabilities that we have actually bought into the responsible uh, AI office with AI expertise, with legal, data privacy aspects that are actually considered, and then the security. And we have set up a central organization that is a dedicated office which is uh, setting up the various uh, processes to validate, enforce, audit, and govern AI, right? It is also operating as an independent uh, COE, and it is actually streamlining the entire governance compliance and also setting up automated guardrails to make sure that the AI is uh, being used as responsibility in all the work that we actually do.
0: How is Infosys addressing these responsible AI issues internally for its own business operations?
1: So, as I mentioned, the Infosys Responsible AI Office is a dedicated office that we have set up, uh, pulling together capa- multiple capabilities, and uh, it has multiple functions. Uh, So developing and deploying the technical guardrails uh, that is actually required uh, for adoption of responsible AI, for streamlining the AI governance, formulating the risk strategy, uh, maintaining standards, policies, and guidelines, ensuring the adherence of the responsible by design principles that I spoke about uh, and the standards through the entire AI development lifecycle, making sure that AI is used uh, safely and if there is uh, a issue to be able to uh, to be able to address the issue that is actually coming in and this responsible AI office as well given uh, we are a services company the best practices that we actually gain from our own adoption we are taking this as uh, offerings that we can actually help our clients as well in their own journey and we are today working with uh, about 10 different clients in this space.
0: So pretty much every medium-sized and large enterprise uses ERP to run their business. And the ERP vendors have been racing, I would say, to add generative AI features on top of the machine learning tools they already had. How are you advising Infosys clients to embed AI in their ERP systems? In other words, through what means or mechanisms?
1: AI is important as, as AI involves, uh, it is important to be able to use that in the ERP systems, right? There are multiple types of use cases where we see significant value in embedding the AI within the ERP, whether it is predictive analysis for demand forecasting, supply chain optimization, automated financial analysis, document management, customer relationship management and enhancing that using AI, right? So there are a lot of such use cases so we have seen combination of uh, approaches to be able to do that some of it is using tools that the erp vendors are actually providing to be able to embed it within the process flow and the other pattern is to have more central initiative for ai where you're using the data that you are generating in the erp and then uh, applying that at the enterprise the uniform approach across the enterprise
0: Do companies have to do a lot of in-house AI development to get those kinds of practical use from it or have a consultant like Infosys do the development for them? Or can they do a lot with the pre-programmed chatbots and other AI apps that the ERP vendors are now providing?
1: There are some capabilities that come out of the box. But for any significant use cases, there is uh, some work that the organizers have to do to be able to first even get the data that is actually required for these use cases and then figuring out what models that they are going to use, how would you actually train it, how would you put the responsible AI guardrails, how would you fine tune it, how would you use the retrieval augmented generations. so there is these aspects that have to be actually considered. And so it would be important to be able to set up a core expertise and leverage uh, right, service companies like Infosys who have the advantage of looking at best practices across multiple organizations to help them in this journey.
0: You've been quoted as saying that companies must develop and evolve an AI-first operating model that prioritizes business transformation and skills development and enables them to maximize human potential. And I know that upskilling of employees, sometimes so they can move out of the more easily automated jobs, the ones that might be taken over to some degree by AI, and also to upskill them to learn how to use AI, it's been really promoted and almost hyped as an antidote to workers' fears, and I think some of these fears are legitimate, about losing their jobs to generative AI. And maybe that's easy for me to say because for the first time as a, as a so-called white-collar employee, it started threatening journalists' jobs and other people who are in the media business. It sounds like a very tall order to get that accomplished. How is Infosys itself handling the challenge either internally for yourself or for your customers?
1: So l- let me speak of how we are actually looking at it uh, internally. So the way we are actually looking at it is we are putting this at three levels. First of all, uh, maybe I'll start over again uh, on this answer, uh, David. In Infosys, fundamentally, we are looking at AI to be able to augment uh, humans and in what they're actually doing. We are not, uh, and especially when it comes to generative AI, we still look at human in the loop, but we are looking at AI to be able to help humans be a lot more efficient and a lot more productive in what they are doing right. So going from that kind of a thinking uh, we are seeing that every employee of Infosys needs to be able to understand AI. So we call that level one AI awareness where they are able to consume AI in what they are doing to be able to do their job uh, much more efficiently. And that is the one level of upskilling that we are actually doing. The level two is AI builders who can reimagine the experience and processes to build uh, the solutions. And then the level three is what we call the masters. And these are the people who are uh, looking under the hood of AI and looking at creating solutions, platforms for the enterprise adoption of AI. And that is the way that we are actually looking at it. The core team that is actually building the set of tools that the organization can actually leverage in the platforms, the integrators who are putting that into the system and processes, uh, entire organization being able to be trained to be able to uh, use them in what they're actually doing.
0: Can you elaborate on what it means to evolve into an AI-first operating model? What kind of shift is that for companies if they're going to truly be AI-first and have that be their operating model?
1: So to be AI-first is not to think about leveraging AI in some small pieces within your process, but to look at how you can transform uh, the way that you are doing business using AI. And so some aspects of the transformation is being able to integrate AI strategically uh, in uh, all the, your products, in your services, in your internal processes. Can you actually eliminate the process steps? How would you actually augment the products that you are actually building with the features of AI and the services? How do you make the organization more data-driven in the decision making? How do you look at innovation proactively? And, and we are also talking about, as I mentioned, human plus AI. How would you look at routine repetitive tasks, automated using AI technology so that the humans can actually focus on more complex and strategic objectives? How would you look at customer experience and enhancing the customer experience? And then how do you make sure that you're doing this all in a responsible uh, manner and you're mitigating all the risks that actually come with uh, using AI? So that is what we mean by actually it is not about doing a few POCs here and there. It is about looking at how you can transform the processes uh, that you have, the way that you're thinking about your products and services uh, and uh, at the core and uh, leveraging AI to be able to make a substantial difference within the organization.
0: What do you think is the potential and what's your overall vision for AI if companies can do everything you've said uh, very effectively?
1: our vision is uh, that it is not uh, so much human versus AI, it is humans plus AI where we look at AI as augmentation to different roles, whether it is a software engineer, whether it's a manager, whether it's consultant, whether it is a legal function, whether it is a recruitment function. right? We think that every role can be augmented with AI and that is the way that we look at that. The other way to see it is that it has implications across all aspects. Uh, of uh, the organization right whether it is the work or how we can actually transform in our own case software engineering using coding assistants, how you can transform recruitment how you can transform your learning using AI. so the entire work can actually be uh, transformed then how do you actually transform the workplace how do you use uh, the training that i actually talked about to make everybody aware uh, within the AI, how they can actually create learning platforms that they can actually use, and then the entire workforce uh, using AI, so that you are able to make a meaningful difference to your customer experience, to the employee experience, uh, to the bottom line, and in the whole revenue generation of the organization. Mm-hmm.
0: You talked about human potential also in some of the things you've said here and in other forums. If we take it even to a higher level or or maybe further out, how do you see AI, especially with this new generation that we have now, what's the potential for human potential? It is
1: difficult to see how this is actually going to evolve, uh, right? But if you look at history always, we have seen a lot of technology breakthroughs and other kind of breakthroughs throughout the evolution of humans. But it is always that there are aspects that... Uh, while these technologies have actually aided and improved the productivity and improved what uh, humans can actually do, we have always seen that the humans actually evolve into playing bigger and larger roles. And I think that is going to be the same even here. There are aspects about creativity, there is aspects about uh, personalization and that can never, can never be actually replaced complete machine. And so that's why we are thinking about this as humans that can be amplified uh, and there have been other technologies to be able to improve the productivity and the of uh, humans. And we think AI yeah, is going to be another such technology that would actually help amplify what humans are actually doing.
0: I guess we won't know until we get there, until it happens. Yeah. Um, hard to predict. Well, uh, Bali, I really appreciate your time today joining the podcast from India. Um, very interesting conversation. Thank you. Thank you, David.